of my sermon this morning is entitled, as you can see up there, The Source of Evil. Can you guess? The Source of Evil. We live in a time when evil seems more prevalent than ever. Anybody give me, give me an amen to that? But evil has always been front and center in human history. The monarchies of England, France, Spain, and Russia, the Caesars of Rome, the emperors of China and Japan ruled with an iron fist and many perpetrated unspeakable atrocities on their subjects. The revolutions that overthrew those rulers, those rulers were equally vicious and blood-drenched. The French Revolution gave birth to the guillotine, which indiscriminately beheaded thousands of French men and women and children until the streets of Paris became rivers of blood. The lust for blood cannot be satisfied and could not be satisfied until the very founders of the revolution themselves, guess what, they too were beheaded. What motivated a young, tall, strong man on a New York City subway station to go over to a woman and beat her to the point where she was on the ground he continued to beat her and kick her, and he hit her in the face relentlessly until such a point where she may, not, she may not have sight. What motivated a man to do that? We turn on our TV sets, and especially if you're watching a New York station or a Philadelphia station, the local stations, and you scratch your head as, 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 a, as a believing person, you say, how could this be happening? How could people have become so violent and filled with rage that they would do things like this? It's senseless. It's demonic. And the answer is yes, it is demonic. Leonardo da Vinci said this, and it's good for us to think about in our country today. He who does not punish evil commends it to be done. We're living in a time which is unbelievable by virtue of the fact that people can beat up that woman. They can beat up people on the street. They can walk up behind somebody and whop them on the side of the head. They can go into a bodega and beat up the owner to try to get a few dollars worth of stuff. All of this violence that we see. And then what happens? They may get arrested. And if they are, they, they go to jail for a minute and they're released pending a further trial. And when you look back on their life, you have a record about as long as your arm. This is crazy. And if you do not punish evil, you command it to be done. I'm not gonna get, I'm not getting any trouble for this. They're gonna let me go. Christian science, well, let me go back a little bit. I'd like to go with you this morning and look at the face of evil. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 16. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 16. Let's stand together as I read it for you. Ephesians, 10, Ephesians 6, 10 through 16. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, 
against spiritual wickedness in high places. Remember that this is written around the time Rome is an empire. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Thank you. you may be seated. The founder of uh, Christian Science, Mary Baker Eddy, said this, Evil is but an illusion, and it has no real basis. Evil is a false belief. I dare her, well, she's dead now, but I dare any of her proponents who believe that go out to New York about uh, 11 o'clock at night in some of the really rough areas and tell me if you don't believe in evil when they come up to steal your purse. A number of a number of liberal uh, uh, Congress people have been have been uh, have been uh, uh, mauled and have been threatened and have uh, been abused and had their their purses and their money stolen. They finally figured out there is evil. Cynics say evil proves that God's power is limited because he can't stop it. Atheist says the presence of evil proves there is no God. Our text teaches that evil has a source, a fact that eludes, eludes and frustrates most psychologists, philosophers, and religious leaders. Verse 11 of our text reveals evil is not a what. Evil is a who, and that who is the devil. If you believe life has a dark side, if you believe wickedness can be found in every level of society, from the street to the halls of government, then the Bible informs you that it has a father, and it has an author. That father and that author is the devil. But pastor, I don't believe in the promise, in your premise, because I don't believe in there is a devil. Well, if you don't believe there's a devil, you're not alone. Polls haven't changed in over 30 years. Gallup survey report says 34% polled the devil is a personal being who directs evil forces and influences people to do wrong. That's biblical. 36% on the other hand believe that it's an impersonal force that influences people and do wrong. It's not a, not a being, it's a force. Let the force be with you. Don't let the force get against you. 20% the devil does not exist. And 8% don't know. Where are you in that statistic? I hope you believe he's a being. A little girl was once disciplined by her mother for kicking her little brother in the shins and then pulling his hair. Sally said to the mother, why did you let the devil make you kick your brother and pull his hair? Well, the devil made me kick him, she said, but pulling his hair was my idea. Jesus refers to the devil on several occasions in scripture in which he confronts him and gives him a number of names and titles. In the Bible, names have significance. Almost all the names you read of in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, those names were given to those children because the parents observed a behavior or some trait that they felt shorthand could kind of identify that kid. They were primarily used to highlight character qualities of the named individual. So to structure the lesson this morning, I've listed 10 names and titles ascribed to Satan. 
And as we scroll through them, I believe that they will reveal his origin, his name, his nature, and the impact that he has on individuals and a culture. So number one, Ezekiel 28, 14 says that Satan is the anointed cherub. Cherub is an angel. In fact, I, I kind of think of them from time to time based on the book of Revelation. They're super angels. They differ from all the other angels. Genesis 3, 24. You may remember they are the ones that were left in charge of guarding the Garden of Eden. That was what they were supposed to do. And they had a sword. And if anybody tried at a certain point to get in there, they, no, they had a sword. They no longer had a head. In uh, Hebrews 9, 5, says they guarded the mercy seat of God where the Ark of the Covenant is in the Jewish temple. They were surrounding that Ark of the Covenant. They were in the Holy of Holies. And their job, if a rabbi, a high priest, I should say, were to enter the Holy of Holies and, and have sin on his heart and on his life, he would be executed by the cherub. So much so that you didn't dare want to go in and try to get him out of there because you knew you had sin on your heart. What they used to do is they used to tie a rope to the ankle of every high priest that went in there so that in the event that he was killed, you could pull him out without getting yourself in there. Exodus 25, 20, they are the only angels with wings. Contrary to most art and to most sculpture and to most people's thinking, most people think of angels with wings but the only ones that have wings are the cherub. Ezekiel 10, 14 describes cherubs as shape shifters. In other words, they could be standing next to you one minute and be looking like this, and the next minute be looking like that. Here are some of the ways that they, the Bible describes that. Everyone had four faces. You, they could have four faces. The first was the face of a cherub, this angel. The second face was the face of a man. Third, the face of a lion, and the fourth, the face of an eagle. And each one of those things they could turn into. They could be a man standing right in front of you. They could be any one of those things standing right in front of you, be present with you. Number two, Genesis 3, verses 1 and 2, Satan becomes the serpent in the garden who deceives Eve. He's still deceiving people. That didn't stop in the garden, right? He divides the world between atheism and superstition. Those are the choices, by the way. His primary deception, convincing people that he doesn't exist. And his second deception, creating false gods and false religions. Where do those ideas come from? The Bible says that Satan is the instigator. He is the one who insinuates these thoughts into people's minds. Remember this. As a Bible-believing Christian, you may be oppressed by the devil, but you cannot be what? You cannot be possessed because greater is he that is in you, who is that? Holy Spirit, are you here? It's the Holy Spirit that's in you, greater is the Holy Spirit in you than he that is in the world and the Holy Spirit is not gonna let him in to you because your body has become the temple of God. And Satan would not be allowed to enter that temple. Remember that. There are so many people who are fearful of being possessed by the devil. Well, if you know your Bible, you don't have to be fearful anymore. He creates false gods and false religions, and we've got a lot of them. 
He creates also in the mind of a lot of young people the idea that there is no God. And we've got a large and growing number of young people becoming atheists. It used to be just uh, 10, 9 or 10 percent of, of young population was uh, atheists or what they now call nuns or what they call, now they call themselves the brights. They're the only ones with a brain in their head, supposedly. The brights now represent about 20% of the population. It's growing. Number three, John 10, 12 says, Satan becomes a wolf trying to defeat God's people. How does he do it? Well, petty squabbles among believers, jealousy, materialism, indifference, apathy, hypocrisy, all these things work against us. Wolves follow a blood trail. Chaos, confusion in family, society, and the church drain the lifeblood out of those institutions. We need to be alive and on fire for Jesus. Satan doesn't want that. And he'll do whatever he can do to make sure that doesn't happen. And he'll do it person by person. Number four, 1 Peter 5, 8. Satan becomes a lion trying to devour God's children. How does he do that? Through temptation, desire to be like the world, to fit in, to adapt to the cultural norms, to compromise on God's truth and God's word by playing at being a Christian. If the world ever needed authentic Christians to influence them, this is the day. And you are the voices of the Lord. You are his hands, you are his feet. You are the ones that are gonna represent in your workplace, in your family, Jesus. And the question is, if you don't do it, who is gonna do it? Number four, 1 Peter 5, 8. I just did that, so I won't do it again. Number five, Revelation 12, one to nine. Satan becomes a dragon trying to destroy God's son. He cannot. Satan is already defeated at the cross. He's a dead man walking, but he won't lay down, and he still has the, he still poisons, and he still, his uh, sting still kills. According to research out of God, of Good Samaritan Regional Medical Center in Phoenix, Arizona, rattlesnakes, people thought to be dead, can still strike, bite, and kill you. Did you know that? One study showed the heads Taking the heads off snakes, shot and decapitated, could still make striking type motions for up to 60 minutes. Strike them with a knife, shoot them with a gun, and they would still be coming at you for 60 minutes. Satan can possess us, but he can still, can't possess us, but he can still hurt us and poison our relationships and spread deadly venom into our homes, lives, and churches. Those are the things he can do. And guess what? Those are the things he loves to do. And those are the things he wants to do. Number six, Revelation 9-11, tells us one of Satan's names is Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon. Both mean destroyer. He, he is a destroyer. One of his primary targets for destruction has been the Jews and the nation of Israel. He has not hit the mark. He continues the effort he will never succeed, and that's why we're told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, 
because it's under attack, not from its neighbors, but from Satan. And then the neighbors are influenced by Satan. War and genocide, the destruction of whole races, uh, nations and races of people are high on Satan's agenda. The Bible talks in Matthew 24 about wars and rumors of wars. And the rumors come from Satan, and the wars come from him. War is an awful thing. Maria's being trained to go to war. We don't want Maria going to war, do we? That's her mom saying it the loudest. Maria second. We don't want her going to war. But the evil system that Satan perpetuates is a system that wants to take us to war. We're now facing war on a couple of different fronts, aren't we? We're facing war with China if we intervene with Taiwan. We're facing war with Russia because we intervene on, in that area. We're facing war in so many different places. Satan's the influencer. Remember, he's defeated. He desires to destroy homes, lives, reputations, and churches. And what does he use as some of his best weapons? And we just heard about it this morning. He uses drugs. Young boy taking marijuana. Oh, don't worry, it's not addictive. It can't hurt you. Yeah, it's not, not a gateway drug. Don't even think along those lines. Those are the friends. With friends like that? Influenced by Satan? A young kid's life hangs in the balance. And there are thousands of them. What's it doing to the home? What's it doing to the parents? We know the kid's life is on the borders of being destroyed. But what about his parents? How many people think about what it's like to be a mother or father with a child going through that? Try to get a night's sleep. Try not jumping out of bed when the telephone rings and the kid's not home. He uses drugs. He uses alcohol. He uses sex. He uses power and fame and money. Those are his tools. And the last I read... They're very potent tools. Number seven, Matthew 12, 24 calls the devil Beelzebub. Interesting name. It's called the Lord of Garbage. He rules from a mountain of wrecked and wasted lives. God makes all things beautiful. And if Satan is the arch opposite of God, what does he make out of lives? He makes them ugly. He makes them horrible. The swastika, contrary to most people's thinking, is not a distorted cross. But it might as well be. When we think of what folks can do to the cross of Christ, the truth of Christ, the truth of the Bible, the love of Jesus, and how many ways they can distort it. And it's Satan's business to turn the beauty of our faith into garbage Part of the reason why it's under attack, and part of the reason it's not only under attack from the outside, folks, it's from it's attack from the inside. You have no idea how many big influential ministers, influential ministries, influential univer uh, Christian universities and seminaries, and Christian philosophers and thinking 
thinkers are taking this faith of Jesus Christ off the rails. Seminaries who are basically letting kids graduate after having taught them that Jesus wasn't, didn't, didn't, wasn't resurrected from the, from the dead bodily. It was a spiritual resurrection. That is, to quote the seminary or theology or some very highfalutin book, that's a lot of baloney. We don't believe that Jesus uh, was resurrected uh, spiritually. We believe that Jesus was resurrected bodily, materially. He's not in the grave. They went looking for the body, and the body isn't there. And people are still looking for the body. But if you want to see Jesus' body, you've got to have to go to heaven. Because that's where it is in residence. Number eight, John 8, 44, labels Satan a liar and a murderer. His lies have murdered countless millions throughout history in the name of religion, ethnicity, patriotism, idealism, communism, Nazism, and a dozen other ISMs. His lies have killed adults in their homes and in workplaces, school kids in their classrooms, and babies in their womb. The best protection against Satan's lies is to know God's truth. Amen? The best protection from Satan's lies is to know God's truth. And do we? We're supposed to be lifelong learners. We're supposed to be studying God's word every day. We're supposed to be opening God's word to learn from it. We're supposed to take advantage of Sunday mornings Take advantage of Wednesday nights. Take advantage of our discipling ministry. Take advantage for our children at youth group so that they can learn more. Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding are three, three uh, legs of a stool that God would have us. Knowledge is what you know, and what you know comes from the book. Wisdom is how you apply that knowledge to your life. And understanding is taking that knowledge to, uh, to know more of why you, what you believe and why you believe it. Consequently, one of Satan's highest priorities is to make man believe that he can live without God and his word. It's where we are today. So many people, they don't need God. This was one of the basic premises behind science. All this has happened without God. Unfortunately, the more they discover, the more they learn. These are the things I'm sharing with you from Genesis on Wednesday night. The more they learn, the more improbable that theory becomes. They're getting to the place where they've got no place to hide because their very own disciplines are revealing that there was a designer and there was a creator, one and the same, behind all of this. You need to know that. You need to share that with people in your life. Number nine, 1 Peter 5.8 calls him our adversary. The other, in other words, our enemy. He is our enemy. And if you stare him in the face and you see the things going around the world, you can look and say, this is Satan's work. This is his influence over the earth. As people walk away from God, 
as the Bible is kept out of school, as the Ten Commandments cannot be spoken, as God's word cannot be communicated, as you cannot say Jesus' name in a right way. By the way, you know, you can say Jesus' name in school. As long as you use it as a profanity, then it's perfectly all right. Does that make sense or is that insanity? It don't make any sense to me, but I'm just a dumb Brooklyn kid. If you can say Jesus in a negative way, you should be able to say him in a positive way, and you should be able to stand for Jesus, regardless of what the system says. Number 10, 2 Corinthians 4.4. He is called the God of this world. Now, as we're studying in Genesis, you can begin to see where that comes from. We're going to get to this. Satan is the diabolical. That word diabolical, many people use it. You realize it? it has as its uh, root, Diablo, Diablo is the devil. Satan is diabolical, the diabolical mastermind backing a world system that deceives and ensnares the minds and lives of people. Satan promises the best, but pays with the worst, promises honor, but pays with disgrace, promises pleasure, pays with pain, promises profit and pays with loss, promises life and pays with death. This is how he manipulates people's behavior, worldview, thinking, and opinions. He's tricky, hiding behind the veil of religion, intellectualism, education, art, poetry, social media, entertainment, government, mass media, and human institutions. Modern thought rejects the antiquated idea that Satan is the origin of evil. You know, some things that are old are worth keeping. Because the longer they're around, the more we see their value. Consequently, we have many explanations for evil. People say, well, because people are living in poverty, they do evil. I, I, I grew up in Brooklyn. I grew up in neighborhoods that were filled with people in poverty. I mean, to a certain extent, with a, being, a, being a, a child of just a, a single mother, we were, we were poor, but we didn't turn to crime. I mean, I went into apartments of black friends, black kids, and, uh, and the, uh, the, the apartments themselves were squalor until you walked into, until the, until, until you walked into the Gates kids' home, and it was spotless. And mother said to me, Bobby, I'm beginning to sound like Joe, right? Joey, <laughs> Bobby, soap don't cost much. She was right. Politics, government, politicians, climate, climate change, gender inequality, all of these things are the reason why there's evil, why people rage on the streets. These are the reasons why. This is nonsense. We don't put Satan in the mix. We're just too sophisticated for that. As such, we remain vulnerable and ill-equipped to fight the true source of evil. The evil God of this world will one day be judged to his fiery demise. But for now, we must fight back. We must resist. We read in Ephesians chapter 6 the, least, the list of spiritual uh, offensive weapons at our disposal, our, our disposal to fight the ultimate spiritual foe. We have truth. We have the Bible, we have that truth. 
we can stand and look at Satan and say, get thee behind me when he tempts us. He's promised us to be able to live out a righteous life. And when we live that kind of a life, others see it. And that's an example they see. They see so many examples of unrighteousness. Wouldn't be novel to see some righteousness being lived out. What kind of a testimony would that be? Peace, no matter what Satan throws at us. Faith to believe. We have the Bible. And we have one another. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. When we worship, we can worship together in the meeting house. We're fellowshiping together. We're not fellowshiping together, but we're worshiping together and learning together and growing outside the box, outside the meeting house. There are people listening this morning from a lot of different geographical regions. And they're learning about Satan today. Maybe they never heard a sermon like this before. Maybe this is the first time somebody came to grips with the face of evil. Don't you want me to continue doing that? Speaking to as many people as the Lord will allow? Our congregation should be on fire for Jesus and want to see the gospel spread to the four corners of the earth. As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We should have a sense of urgency within our hearts to reach out to reach out to the people in our family and reach out to the people in our community and reach out wherever we step our feet so that when people see us, they see Jesus. And when they see Jesus in us and they ask us about him, we can tell them, amen. And what can you tell them? Just tell them, give them your testimony. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart and he wants to do it for you. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a teacher or anybody in authority. You just have to be somebody who has been saved by grace and is willing to tell somebody else. So do that because people can see the face and the source of evil. Let's show them the face and the source of ultimate good, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the time that we could share together as we open up your book. Yes, Lord, even when we look at the enemy, You've revealed him. He can't wear a mask when we open up your book and we can see him face to face for who he is. And we pray, Father, this morning that for each, and I pray, Lord, a hedge of protection about my brothers and sisters today. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts this morning, that if Satan is trying to influence them in any way, or me as their pastor, I pray, Lord, that he would be defeated. I pray, Lord, that he would resist. I pray, Lord, he would flee and we pray all these things believing and putting it in the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word. In Jesus' name, amen.